I'm Chanae Ogwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. With the first pick in the 2009 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Matthew Stafford. Stafford, step it up, going left side, watch Calvin, Enzo, got him, oh baby, that was a rocket! And it's picked off, intercepted by Darius Slade, no one will catch him, touchdown! Hello and welcome to another episode of the Michael Rothstein Show. I am your host, Michael Rothstein. This episode brought to you by Indeed and by Bet Online. So yeah, not going to lie. Being 40, not a lot different than being 39. Uh, first day of 40 was, was a bit interesting. Got to actually hang out with friends. And uh, I'll be honest, you know, in, in the days of pandemic, it's pretty awesome to, to be able to see people and and to spend quality time with them because that happens it seems like so much less these days and I'm just so grateful for the friends that I have in Ann Arbor and that I've been able to make while living here over the last decade or so it's just been awesome and I know most of you probably don't care about that but I don't know just kind of on a day like today uh, and obviously you're listening to this on Thursday not when I'm recording on Wednesday you just kind of Remember those things a little bit more, and also, I think I can mention this because um, my friend tweeted about it, but uh, one of my friends who, if you've been a long-time listener to this podcast, you know has ALS. His name is Chris Snow. He's the assistant GM with the Calgary Flames, and one of the things that myself and a couple of our friends decided to do because he's been starting to struggle to swallow is... We ordered, and because of that, uh, keeping weight on is now hard. So he can actually eat anything he wants, which, you know, he's a year younger than us. So at age 39 or 40, as somebody who's stress ate a lot over the last couple of weeks and uh, usually does that during football season and puts on weight, the opportunity to eat all the sweets you want is kind of enticing, although I would never, you know, want anyone to have to do it for the reason he has to, that... We ordered him a whole him and his family a whole bunch of of sweets and stuff like that from Calgary, and uh, it really seemed to make their day, and that was just awesome. And he posted about it on Twitter, and uh, you know, just do things, try to do things nice for for people that matter to you, uh, like Chris matters to me. And uh, I'll just throw this out here at the start too. Uh, if you remember back when I talked about it earlier on the podcast, uh, you can donate to the Calgary Flames Foundation to uh, Snowy Strong and, uh, you know, let's try to fight ALS or, or really any ALS-related charity. ALS is just a brutal disease, and uh, you know, we're doing everything we can. So with that said, uh, let's jump right into the Lions. Obviously, the Lions had some big news on Wednesday, and that revolves around Matthew Stafford. 
and that Matthew Stafford is now on the COVID list, and he did not test positive for COVID. Uh, that coming both from a report from Adam Schefter, and then later from Kelly Stafford on Instagram, he had uh, high risk contact with somebody. Their entire family is negative, but Matthew Stafford's now quarantined for a couple of days. He's not allowed at the facility, and there's still a chance that he plays if he tests negative. And continues to test negative until Sunday. Theoretically, he can play for the Lions against the Vikings on Sunday. But, of course, if he did that, he would be doing it without the benefit of any reps in practice during the week or anything like that. So you would then, if you're the Lions, have to decide whether Chase Daniel or David Blau with the full weeks of reps is better than Matthew Stafford with no reps whatsoever. And that's a tough question, and Matt Patricia, I'm sure, will get asked about that on Thursday when he addresses the media, as he did not bring this up on Wednesday. So that's kind of a big thing, and and it's going to be the thing to monitor all week, and we might not know until close to game time what's going on with their quarterback situation. Obviously, that doesn't help the Lions. That doesn't really help anybody involved, and it's – you know, at least, and from a fantasy perspective, although that is obviously very secondary and tertiary, uh, you know, it, it probably makes you want to take Matthew Stafford out of your lineup just in case, because, or at least have a plan for behind Matthew Stafford if you need it. But here's maybe a reason not to play Matthew Stafford on Sunday if you're the Lions, if he doesn't get any time of practice, and it's because a lot of the other Lions players are hurt. Or are dealing with stuff. Guys that did not practice on Wednesday include Kenny Galladay with his hip, Taylor Decker with his back, Halapulai Vitae, Vitae with his foot, and Jamal Agnew with his ribs. So that's three key offensive starters and your team's returner. Tracy Walker, by the way, also didn't practice with injury. But beyond that, among the guys who are limited, which means they're at least dealing with something, Joe Dahl. TJ Hawkinson, that's a lot of your offense, a lot of your starting offense that's beat up and a lot of your offensive line that's beat up. And again, if you're Matthew Stafford, even though you're a vet and you've seen it all, if you're potentially playing behind either a makeshift offensive line or a beat up offensive line, that's not the best situation to have. Of course, it wouldn't be a good situation for Chase Daniel either. And then obviously defensively, they're also... A bit banged up. Tracy Walker didn't practice. Danny Shelton uh, also was dealing with an injury. And when you're facing Dalvin Cook, and obviously Trey Flowers is on IR, and when you're facing Dalvin Cook, that's not exactly what you want at all. So a lot of injuries to watch, a lot of injuries to be concerned about, could change the entire dynamic of the game. And we'll get into that a little bit more tomorrow once we kind of see what happens during Thursday's practice. Maybe some guys come back. Maybe some guys get bumped up to full practice. Maybe we'll get a better idea of what's going on at the quarterback situation. But today, instead of five keys here on the second half or after the break in this podcast, which is coming up in a minute, that we are going to have an interview with Lions fullback Jason Cabinda. Jason and I talked for a while on Tuesday. Now, we talked just before it came out that Jared Davis had ended up on the COVID reserve list. So some of this, at least about COVID, is going to probably sound a little bit out of date. So just understand that. But it was a fun conversation with Jason. It's the first player interview that we've done in a while. 
Hopefully we're going to have a few more here down the second half of the season. Really appreciate Jason coming on the show. It, it was a fun interview. Learned a bit about him that maybe you didn't know. Um, and yeah, so that's coming up after the break. Just, I guess, a couple of more things about the Lions right now. Before we get to that, when you're looking at kind of what they're dealing with from uh, a player perspective at this point, it's a tough call to really understand what they're going to look like this week. And maybe that gives them some benefit when you're playing the Vikings. And we'll get into the Vikings a bit more on Friday with Courtney Cronin. But this team without Matthew Stafford and without Kenny Galladay, that's that's a tough look. Even without Matthew Stafford, we've seen what the offense looks like, and it changes it dramatically. Also, you have to figure that they would be a little bit limited in the playbook if Matthew Stafford does play. Maybe you would try to rely on the run game a bit more. We've seen how that's gone. Again, the offensive line is beat up too. This just does not bode well, even though Minnesota is not the Minnesota Vikings that we're used to seeing. To me, this doesn't bode well with the injuries that they have for them to potentially go up to Minnesota and win because you have to add travel in there. And they're still an aggressive defense. I think the Lions have a chance to be pretty aggressive defensively. I'm guessing Everson Griffin's going to be pretty motivated to go back to Minnesota to play because he was such a big part of that defense. And maybe the Lions can get something from talking to him that maybe they didn't know prior about the offense or the defense since he was around for so long. But this is a situation that, frankly, because of injuries, does not look great for Detroit. And if you are the Lions, I think you have to be very, very concerned of what this is going to look like for you on Sunday because Chase Daniel hasn't taken a, taken a snap all year. And Chase Daniel is much more of a limited quarterback than Matthew Stafford. And if they were to play David Blau, well, we know what David Blau brings and what he doesn't. And the Lions didn't win a single game with David Blau last year as their starter. And he would be playing behind, I think, as beat up, if not more beat up, of an offensive line than he did a year ago, and he'd be playing without Kenny Galladay, which he didn't have to do last year. So we'll be back right after the break with fullback Jason Cabinda right here on the Michael Robinson Show. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever, and Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. 
The wait is over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today. And get, take advantage of all of the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet online, you're online. Sportsbook experts. My next guest on the Michael Rothstein Show is a current member of the Detroit Lions. He may wear a weird number for a running back, but that's because he was a linebacker basically three months ago. Jason Cabinda, welcome to the show. What's going on, man? Appreciate you having me on. No, thanks for coming on, man. And, you know, every guest I've had since March have kind of started this like this. What's COVID life like for you? And, and we'll get into this more, obviously, because it's midseason. But what's it just been like for you the last seven, eight, nine months? Uh, I mean, shoot, I feel like for everybody, it's, it's been a lot different, obviously. Uh, the whole world is kind of just – running on a different wavelength at the moment and we kind of don't know when it's going to end but um obviously not being social and not going out and being at any functions seeing friends and stuff like that you know uh you know that sucked and has not been taken a toll but i think one one great thing about covid is i think it just allowed me to really really focus on the things that you know mattered the most you know right now um so in terms of the all season you know working out was a little bit different uh, I ended up bouncing around a little bit because once the uh, quarantines and stuff actually hit, my my gym has shut down. So I had to kind of move uh, in the middle of the off season in terms of where I was training. I uh, moved down south to Florida and trained out there for a while. But, um, yeah, it's it's just been crazy, honestly surreal. <laughs> Is that – for you, you know, your mom is still in Jersey. Like, when was the last time you've seen her? Like, because as everyone saw from Hard Knocks a year ago – she kind right. of travels. She goes to games. Like, she can't right. do that now. <laughs> exactly. So, like, that's that's even another thing. You know, I'd seen her. I'd seen her in June, I believe it was, and then before that, I hadn't seen her since before the quarantine, like in March. So, like, I had gone a while without seeing my mom then, and then obviously since June, and it's just like, it's crazy because you know all these crazy things are happening to people. Some people are suffering COVID at the worst degrees and people are dying obviously so you know you have all kinds of thoughts about your relatives your close friends you know just like about the safety and the health of of all your people so you know not being able to see my people as much you know that definitely worried me a lot especially when we didn't know a lot about COVID or kind of what was going on. Is this the longest stretch you've gone without seeing your mom because you probably haven't seen her since what August or she come out to to Michigan? Well, she, she she came out for one game, um, and even when she came here, I, I really wasn't able to see her like that um, and, and socially distance and all that kind of stuff. But, um, like, before then, I think it had been the summer because she had come and seen me where I was training down in Florida. And then before then, it was definitely before quarantine had started, possibly February, I want to say. Yeah, maybe maybe last season. So, Good five, five, six months. Um, Man. Yeah. And, you know, in college, obviously, you have the season. So, my mom, you know, comes to the game. So, I see her often, you know. Um, but, yeah, it's been crazy. 
I was going to say, how's she dealing with that? Is that harder for no, her than you? <laughs> I mean, it's definitely been tough on her, too. You know, she's a teacher. And obviously, you yeah. know, in the in the academic world right now, everything is like Zoom, maybe some in person. But for the most part, uh, you know, she's teaching high school kids. A lot of that is on Zoom and virtually and having to prepare her lessons different now, knowing that she has to teach it through a computer screen. I mean, it, it, it's tough. I mean, it's tough. And as you can imagine, like just parents trying to deal with technology and all that kind of stuff, it can just be such a, such a hassle. So it's, uh, it's been a little rough. <laughs> well, while we're talking about COVID, let's just jump in a little bit on it. Like what's a COVID season like? Like how, how do you as a football player handle that, deal with that? Like what's, what's the biggest frustration? What's the maybe biggest benefit that you didn't even think of? <laughs> um, honestly, that's a great question because it's just crazy to even think of the amount of things I've now gotten used to doing on a daily basis. Um, and also kind of reminds me of like, wow, there, there's so many other little things that we don't think about that we like touch or that's our phone screen or a doorknob or like whatever that like we should sanitize like after and being like so OD about that now. But uh, obviously wearing masks all the time is, is different and to the point of having to wear a mask like while you're working out and like working out at that level i mean that it's it's tough you know as you can imagine um so that's probably been one of the biggest pains is is the the whole mask deal especially when working out and stuff but you know it's it's about more than just yourself it's it's you guys families it's other people in the building you know like if we have uh if we have it spread it, it can really have terrible effects on other people's lives so we got to take care of each other and stuff um, which is why it's important to have all those protocols, but getting a Q-tip stuck up, up my nose every single day, you know, getting tested all the time. I mean, I would have never thought I'd get used to that. But, I mean, it's just routine now, walking in the trailer, boom, get my test, all right, now I can walk in the building. But, I mean, there's so many little things like that that are just going through my mind now. It's just like, it's nuts. Well, I remember in training camp, we had to get tested every day too as media just in case we had to go inside. And, yeah, by like – right. Second or third week, you're like friendly with all the people, and they're, yeah, like, right. you know, they're like, "How's your morning? <laughs> like, where's your coffee?" <laughs> <laughs> and, and at least it's it feels good to know that you know once you are in the building, like at the very least, absolutely everyone you're around is getting tested every day. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that at least gives kind of a sigh of relief of you know that anxiety factor about it and all that kind of stuff, but. It's just, it's so, so crazy to know that these are the times that we're living in right now. Like something we're going to talk about, obviously, like when it's all over, done and said, and like when we're older, you know, we're going to talk about this time. It's just like, it's nuts. Did, was that something that when training camp first started, y'all had a bunch of positive tests. Like y'all were really the first team that had kind of a breakout, even though it wasn't a breakout because everyone was just kind of coming in. What yeah, actually, I, honestly, I honestly forgot about that. You know, we did have a couple of positives. And, I mean, there, there's quite a few teams, I think, that came in and, and had some positives. But yeah. even that, and I'm glad you brought that up, because just the process for us to enter the building, like, period. Like, people don't even know. Like, we were doing virtual, you know, meetings on Zoom and all that kind of stuff. But, like, during the time where, like, it's absolutely critical that we are together in the same room, talking the same language all the time. When it came to training camp, to not have that and to still be virtual for as long as we were, you know, uh, I think the the transition, it went from, like, obviously no people in the building for such an amount of time, for a couple of weeks, because you, you need so many negative tests in a row to, like, okay, now there's only 10, you know, 10 guys in a group for working out, and then we'll increase it to 20 after this amount. I mean, like, 
finally when we got to the day where it's like okay the entire team is together not even just like offense or defense coming in the building but everyone's in the building i mean it took a while so just to just to think of the process just to get in the building and get to practicing i mean it's it, it was nuts what was it like that first day going in when like, like we when all, all when all you all were together what was it like? It was, that like first? it was just like dope, you know. You, we hadn't seen each other in so long because we obviously didn't get a spring. So it's like we literally hadn't. I mean, obviously, there's there's some guys I hadn't even seen since last season, you know. So to be able to get back with my teammates, get back with the guys, man, it felt good. Be able to dap everybody up, you know. It was just felt good. <laughs> How much are y'all paying attention to kind of what each other like does? Because that's something that has been brought up of kind of like the accountability for for each other. Yeah, in terms like, of what? Like in terms of like, hey, make sure you're wearing a mask. Hey, like, you know, your your wife, your girlfriend's posting like this stuff running around on Instagram. Like, is there that level of accountability where it's like, hey, like, you know, keep your house straight in some ways? Oh yeah, no, a hundred percent. And that's just, you know, looking out for, for each other. And, but the thing, I think the best thing about it is, is we have a bunch of guys who are really selfless and, and really want to win or are really sacrificing and doing what is necessary to keep this operation together. Um, Cause obviously, I mean, so much is at stake, you know, there's money at stake. There's the games at stake. We want to win. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's so many things at stake in, in terms of, having to just continue to sacrifice and kind of just do what we have to do. You know, it sucks, but it is what it is. You know, at least we come home and, and can see our family or whoever lives with us when we come home, you know, I think NBA, I mean, they're just in the bubble. Yeah. You know, some guys didn't see their families for months. I mean, so there are things that we can look at as positive aspects of this. We, you know, we don't have it the worst, um, but obviously just got to gotta just stay on top of it. Like you said, getting to see family, getting to see people you live with. Do you live with people here? Or, like, do you go home at night and it's like, well, all right, I can't go out. I'm stuck by myself. Like, what's what's that like? Because everybody's got different situations, you know? Right. No, no doubt. And I think, and I think that's the crazy thing is there are people who have kids. There are people who have, you know, like, whatever the case may be, like friends from home that just need to stay with you or whatever the case is. And I think you have to realize, especially for guys who have kids, you know, those kids go to school and come back, you know, they have all kinds of stuff that, that could possibly interrupt that process. You know, like I, I have a girlfriend, so I stay with my girl, you know, and, and luckily for her, you know, work is remote and she, she, she gets to just be at the house and it's easy for her to quarantine and do that kind of stuff. But like, that's not the case for everybody. You know, some people still have to go to work and, and, and do what they do. So. We'll, we'll get back to the season in a minute, but I want to get back to kind of your past. How did you start playing football? I started in uh, fifth grade, really? actually. Uh, how did I start? So let me think. I think really I only started playing football kind of just backyard, no neighbors, stuff like that. But I didn't really play organized probably till fifth grade. I think one of my friends, um, one of my friend's moms kind of went to the same gym as my mom. They work out together, do like Zuma classes and all that kind of stuff. And she had told my mom, they're like, hey, you know, I signed, I signed Seamus up for, uh, for football. You know, you should – you should get Jason checked out or whatever and see if he wants to wants to do it. And, and that's kind of how it started. And I, I started playing. Uh, sucked back then, honestly, when I first started playing. Probably for like three years. It wasn't until like eighth grade. I had a had a growth spurt. Uh, you know, I grew like four or five inches in one year, and that, that helped a, a bunch. Uh, but, uh, yes, yeah, that's, that's when I started playing. 
So did you enjoy it then? Like you said, it kind of sucked. Like, did you like it? Or were you almost like, ah, I'm done with this. I'm going to go play, you know, basketball. First, no, I didn't like it at all, actually. Uh, yeah, I did not like I also wasn't in shape, though. Um, at that point when I when I had just started, I was kind of just big on the video games. And I, I just kind of did, did my homework. And then I was on the game, you know, when I was a kid, kid, like that young. Um, so football kicked my, kicked my ass at first. But once I kind of got into shape and got going, you know, which took a few years, and then uh, football became a lot more enjoyable. Were you close to just saying, like, kind of, for lack of a better term, screw it, I'm not going to do oh, this? I, I almost quit my first year, like, for sure. Like, I'm talking those first, like, three, four weeks of, like, summer conditioning and training you're doing, like, I was dying. <laughs> <laughs> so why do you stick with it then? Like, did, was there yeah, – I mean, my mom, my mom just, you know, she convinced me to just keep going, don't quit, you know, keep trying and – you know, eventually it got easier, and but I mean, it was it was tough at first. Really? Like, what was the toughest oh, yeah. part? Was it just the conditioning, or was it like actually getting yeah, in or... shape? Like that that early, like what what I said, like fifth grade. Like I wasn't really like in that well of shape. You know, I was a kid back then, so like, it kind of took me a while to like be able to do that bear crawls and sprints and all this stuff. You know, like so. <laughs> so when so when did you think that you got good? Like I said, probably eighth grade. Yeah. I went from like being like short, stubby, and kind of overweight to being tall and, and skinny, but I was more athletic. Um, and that's when I started playing running back. It was eighth grade, and I played running back through high school. Uh, played a little bit of linebacker, not really to be honest. I mostly just played offense in high school, and then uh, obviously went to Penn State as a linebacker. Was in the league my first two years. As a linebacker, and then now I'm making that transition over to fullback. So it's been uh it's been a whirlwind. So all right, I want to go back. Football, well, honestly. Yeah, I want to go back there because, like you said, <clears throat> pretty much linebacker in high school. So how the heck did you end up being a linebacker in college? Yeah, so like there were some smaller schools that wanted wanted me to play running back. But, you know, I wanted to play like in a Big Ten and a, like bigger level upper echelon, you know, place. And a lot of those schools had wanted me to play linebacker, and I hadn't played much of it, but I actually trusted the knowledge of coaches and all that kind of stuff. And I was just like, all right, let's do it. And Penn State, whatever, what better place to go to than linebacker you? So, I mean, you were committed to Syracuse, though. I was. I was committed to Syracuse. <laughs> I was committed to Syracuse. And then I seen a Penn State whiteout, and I was sold. Really? That's what, I mean, I went to Syracuse. So I understand, like, what the Syracuse program was at that point in time. Like, yeah. what was it literally? It was a bas- it's a basketball school. Yeah, we know that. We know this. Oh, absolutely, without a doubt. I mean, <laughs> and I, listen, when I went there, I'm a little older than you. When I went there, McNabb was a senior when I was a freshman, so they right. were a football school then. Right, right, but, right. But like, yeah, like, was it just the whiteout that sold you, or was it just like the opportunity? No, no, I'm just, I'm just talking candid. But obviously, yeah. from an academic standpoint, and, and what I wanted to do, and then economics and kind of business, you know, their schools kind of what I was looking for as well. You know, Syracuse has a good business school as well, but. In terms of football, obviously Penn State, you know, trumped Syracuse in terms of playing on the biggest stage and, and, and that feel. And then I think I think Penn State was a place I felt comfortable with in terms of, like, the campus and, and, and being there. You know, it wasn't too far from home. Um, it, just, it just fit right, man. Just fit right. When you – so when you make that decision, like you say, you're looking at the business school, do you think at that point you have a shot at the NFL? Because, like, there's always the thought – and every player Honestly, that I wasn't even like, thinking about the NFL at all. I mean, 
at this point in the high school, like it was just awesome that football was granting me this opportunity to be able to go to college for free, you know, and then, and obviously just being able to continue playing, obviously, is because like I love playing football. Um, so just the thought of the NFL kind of wasn't in my head at all at this point. Um, it really wasn't until probably like my junior year of college that I started like thinking about any of that kind of stuff. At that point, it was just like, it was just amazing to still be able to be playing the game with my best friends and, and working hard, you know, going to school and doing all that stuff. So, do you remember what your first offer was? My first offer, I believe, was Colgate University, which I believe is in, also in upstate New York. If I'm, it is. If I'm wrong. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think it is. Yeah. It is. It's in Hamilton, New York. It's a beautiful campus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, it looked, it, looked, it looked dope, you know, in terms of, you know, what that, that coach was showing me. But it's just it's so crazy to kind of look back and, you know, think where your first offer, offer was. I feel like everybody remembers their first offer. What was that like? Was that, like... Were you like, did your mom get all emotional? Like, oh, wow, like my kid's going to get to go to college for free. Like, what's that like when you get that offer that day? I'm trying to think. My, I think I was, it's funny. Where, I was outside. It was right after school. And I'd gone out to eat, actually, with a couple of my boys. It was like before we had a basketball practice or something like that. We had like an hour to, we had like an hour and some change. We went to go get something to eat. And I literally just got the call, you know, from the coach, obviously, you know, offering me the full scholarship and stuff like that. And I just, like, got off the phone. I was like, yo, Colgate just offered me. And, then, like, my boys were all, like, hyped and stuff like that. And, like, after I obviously called my mom, like, my mom was, like, going crazy. Like, because, I mean, for her, for her, it was all about education. Uh, you know, that's just kind of the, the household that I, I grew up in. You know, if for me to continue to be playing football and to be doing what I'm doing, like, I had to be making sure my grades were on point and doing what I'm doing in the classroom. Um, so, Hearing that from Colgate, you know, being one of those really higher upper echelon like academic schools, like that was that was huge news to her. So it was dope. <laughs> was she almost more excited about that than like some of the bigger? Oh schools? yeah, oh yeah. Like my mom would have wanted me to go to Yale, like for real. <laughs> <laughs> was that an option? Like, could you have gone to Yale or Princeton or somewhere like that? Yeah, my mom actually like forced me to uh, take uh, what's it called the ACT to make sure that like I, I had the score because I don't think I had the score in terms of SAT like we should to get into Yale but she made me take the ACT and I had to hit I forget it was like 29 or 30 and I hit it and then that's when I got the offer from Yale and like I really just did that for my mom I don't think I really had any true true intention of going to Yale I think it would have been cool to get the offer and it was cool well, I, I don't think I was going to you. <laughs> Did you like, talk your mom out of that, though, and be like, listen, I get the Ivy League education, but, like, this isn't, like, <laughs> different. <laughs> I basically, like, just had to, like, prove to her, like, yo, like, these other schools are also, like, very good academic schools, too. Like, it's not like, it's not like we're at the tippity top and then we're, like, going to the absolute bottom in terms of other schools. So, like, <laughs> yeah. What's it like when you get to Penn State? Because, and just correct me if I'm wrong, you committed to Bill O'Brien and then he left, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yep. Like, so what's that like? Do you think about switching again after, like, Bill leaves? Or? Yeah, because, I mean, I was still a recruit when it happened, uh, you know, when he left and took the Texans job. Um, so that was kind of crazy because it happened in, like, January. Yeah, it happened in January. We only had, like, a month before signing day. So you didn't really have time to, like, make any other plans or like go on any other visits. I mean, like, yeah, four weeks. So it, it was kind of crazy. And it took, I think, I forget what it was. Like it took like 10 or 11 days for them to like find a new coach. And then like 
I mean, we were all as recruits, like in our little like recruit group chat, like talking about it, like, oh, this name popped up, or like this name popped up. We're like researching the guy and stuff. But uh, once Franklin got chosen, you know, he brought us all on campus and we got together as a class. And I think after that, everybody really like meshed well. And uh, he obviously brought some Vanderbilt guys over, over with him too, you know, Trace and a few of those guys, you know, I come with him. Um, but that was, that was even a crazy time in itself, to be real with you. What made it so crazy? Just like developing those relationships that you, you had made with those coaches over time. And then like just knowing they're just going to be gone. And it's like, and you hear crazy stories, obviously. You hear stories of guys, you know, coming in and there's a new coach. And then the dude's just like, hey, you know, you're not my kind of player. Like you don't fit in the system, whatever. Like we're about to take your scholarship away. So like, I feel like your head goes there. Like things like, okay, like what if these guys don't like me? Like what if they're not going to play me or, you know, whatever the case is. <laughs> Did you get the sense, like, did you ever think about saying, you know what, like Syracuse had offered me, other schools were interested, like, I don't know the situation here now, maybe I'll go somewhere else, or were you never, like, in that thought process? No, I actually didn't, and I think that was the greatest thing about um, when I committed to Penn State is that it had a lot more to do with the school, you know, than the coach, and just the place that it was, and it's, it's, reputation and, and, and all of that more so than just the coach, you know, I obviously liked coach O'Brien and, and, and he's obviously part of the reason why I committed, but you know, there's some guys where the coach leaves and they're like, I'm out of here. You know, <laughs> I didn't feel like that at all. Did you, so how would you describe your time at Penn state? Like when you look back at it, obviously you have a couple of years hindsight now, like when you look back, you say, how, like, how would you feel about it? Um, Glory. If I had to put it on one word, like, that's the word I would use. Um, I think we just had come such a long way. <clears throat> you know, my first two years were just really, like, just above average. I forget our records. I mean, we were, like, eight and six. Or, like, you know, went to a bowl game. It was a, not a good bowl game. And that, that's how my first two years were. And, obviously, we were coming back from the sanctions, you know, less scholarships, all that kind of stuff. I mean, I think my, my freshman year – even my freshman or my sophomore year, we literally had, it was my freshman year, we had 46 scholarship players on the roster, which is just like, it's insane. I mean, you, I think it's, I think the number is, is 85, I think yeah. it is, that you're supposed to have on the team. We have 46. So uh, it, to the point where the guys who had come on the team were called walk ons, we called them run ons, because like they walked on and they played, you know, like, so um, that was, that was really interesting. Um, and then kind of my junior year, is when we were really just truly, I think, bought into, you know, Coach Franklin and and his values and and and, and we were just all rowing the boat in the right direction and and to turn around that I think we started two and two that year and ended up like going on a crazy win streak to going to the Rose Bowl, you know, being unranked and being number two Ohio State. I mean, it was just like that year was crazy. Winning the Big Ten championship, like outright, like we we brought Penn State out of that, like, muck, you know, and it, I feel like we just made Happy Valley happy again. Like, it just – everything came back. Like, campus was buzzing. Every The people were just, like, buzzing after that happened. So, um, it was pretty dope to kind of be a part of that and, and be a part of history, um, kind of bring that, that, that program back in the way that we did, you know, through those four years. And, obviously, now – they're perennially a top 15, top 10 team. And it's, it's obviously stayed that way. So it's just cool to have been able to kind of help the culture get back to where it was at, you know? Did you, did you think about that much when you decided to go there? Because like you said, <clears throat> they were coming off, they were coming off sanctions. 
they had Hackenberg, but that, you know, other than that, like the talent was questioned, you know, you just didn't have a lot there at that point. No, a, a thousand percent, you know, a thousand percent. I thought about that. And the crazy thing is coming in, we actually weren't supposed to play, um, for a bowl game my freshman year and they ended up lifting that one restriction about the sanctions like I think middle of the way through the season they told us like you know you guys will be bowl eligible um so that was that was cool and we weren't even supposed to play in a bowl game you know for a lot of guys it's a big deal um but I, I mean I just I loved Penn State and, and kind of what it was about um I think that's kind of why I chose it why I went there when you, when I was doing some research, I found this, and I don't know what this was about, so I want to ask about it. Uh, you were involved with rare diseases at Penn State, or that was at least you lifted at the combine for it. Yep, no, I, uh, uplifting athletes. Me and uh, me and Trace were co-president uh, our junior and senior year at Penn State, and kind of were organizing a lot of the events that we have, like Live for Life. And stuff like that, um, but that was a really, really cool deal to be able to be involved with that. And even now, you know, I try to do what I can um, to still be, you know, involved in that organization. Even now, obviously, you mentioned I, I did the combine deal there with the the bench press um, reps. So really, really cool, cool deal there. How did you get involved with that? Like, is there some like sort of thing in your family with rare diseases, or is it just kind of actually no? Um, I, it was like. It was like my freshman or sophomore year of college, you know, um, one of the representatives, um, I forget who, it might have been Scott Shirley at the time. Yeah, I think Scott Shirley came in and talked to us. He's like the founder. And he came and talked to us. And I think after he just had like a, hey, you know, if you want to be involved, just stay after kind of meeting or whatever. And I kind of just stayed after. And there were kind of little, little things that you can help with. And, you know, we started doing stuff like that. And, you know, kind of just went from there. But. So you get to the NFL, and what's that first experience like when you are like you step in to Oakland and they're like, what's that like? That first day, that second day, like what? Take me through all of that. Just like my first day in the NFL ever, like when I yeah. first got to Oakland. Uh, definitely surreal. <laughs> definitely surreal. You know, I think when you get to that moment in college where like you know like getting to the NFL is a real possibility, and then like you're able to do it and you get the opportunity you're, you're sitting in those seats you're in the building and you're seeing these guys that you've seen on tv so you've seen marshawn lynch Mari cooper you know these guys and i think um it's it's definitely a humbling moment it's definitely a moment that you really you have moments where you're walking around in the building excuse me and, and, and seeing people and you kind of just pause you know and you kind of just gotta take a step outside yourself and really just like take those moments in sometimes but at the same time, you know, you know your idols become your rivals, and you, you, it's time to grind. You know, now you want to get like them. You want to take their spots. You want to, you know. So, um, it's 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 definitely a very 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 cool moment. Um, you know, to know that you you've made it to where you, you've been working so hard to get to. Was there a guy? Was there a, whether it was a coach, a player that you were just like, like I'm in the building with that guy? <laughs> yeah, no, nah, Marshawn. That's probably it for me, Marshawn. I mean, I'd been watching Marshawn, obviously, like, just growing up and just, like, seeing the way he plays. And to be able to just be in the same locker room, yet again, practicing against him and taking reps against him, I mean, it's just, like, that's definitely pretty surreal for me. Do you um, remember the first time you tried to hit him? Yeah. Yeah, I remember that first time. I remember all of that, bro. <laughs> that How did that go year, for man, you? Don't forget any of it. You say what? How did that go for you? Because he's not exactly a small guy. <laughs> No, nah, but I, I I was coming though, you know. That's a, that's the thing, you know, about the NFL is like, 
you got to make your presence known. You got to make, you know, you got to make motherfuckers feel you. That's just, that's just how the game goes. And I think um, the first time, the first time, like, I had a good practice against Marshawn, I remember he had, like, come up to me after the locker room, and he was kind of just like, you know, you, like, you belong here. Like, keep going. You know, keep doing what you're doing type, type thing. And I think to get those props at that time actually gave me a huge boost of confidence that I needed, you know, because I think when you first get to the NFL, especially being undrafted, your biggest question, like, to yourself is, like, okay, do I belong here? How do I stack up? You know what I mean? So being able to hear that from him gave me a lot of confidence to be able to tell myself, like, nah, like, I belong here. Like, it's where I'm supposed to be. Like, just keep going. So how, how far into, whether it was spring or camp, did that happen? That, that didn't happen until, I think, training camp. So I'd gone through the whole spring. And it was really just training camp. Cause, you know, spring, we don't, we don't have pads on. Yeah. So... So when he says that to you, I mean, like, were you doubting yourself at that point? Or, like, was that just kind of a reinforcement? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say doubting myself at all. I mean, I've never doubted myself. But I think it helps to kind of have things that help you have confirmations to just build your confidence. And I think that's what it really was for, for me is kind of a, just a confidence builder. Like, so what's it like – in Oakland for you, like when you know, you're going through training camp, you're going through hard knocks and, you know, it's kind of all being televised and you don't really know what's going on. I know you and I talked about this a little bit back <clears> in August. <throat> like what's all that like for you then as you're trying to, you know, establish a career? Yeah. Um, obviously being that you're being televised all the time, you know, you're on hard knocks, you know, that kind of pressure added on top. And obviously it's already a lot of pressure. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, you got guys with whole families and wives and kids like they're they're playing to put food on the table you know like that's that's really what it is you know we're playing pro now this isn't this isn't college we all got scholarships and we're all here you know like that that that's not it it's make job take job so um kind of that pressure added on top of it i think really brings out the best in you um you know, from a competitive standpoint and stuff like that. Um, but it, it was definitely, it was, it was a crazy time, you know, with hard knocks and all that kind of stuff. You now you have friends kind of like hitting you up because they're, they're tuning in and stuff and they're paying attention. So when you come up, you know, they want to, you know, tell you and all that kind of stuff. So um, it was, it was a crazy time for sure. And obviously with the ending and then coming to Detroit and just being, you know, being blessed enough to be able to have this opportunity here and being able to also make the most of it um, has, has been, has been great. Um, you know, just a blessing in disguise that at that moment in time, you know, something like that happens, you may not know like what is going on or, or why that's happening to you, but you know, God always has a reason. So um, I think for me, just keeping that in mind and, and keeping God close, knowing that, you know, whatever's going on is, is what's supposed to happen uh, helps. What, what was that like last year on the practice squad for you? Because, I mean, you see how Detroit, at least in non-COVID times, works their practice squad, and it's like, you know, every week it's like two, three guys get, that get shifted. If you're there for four or five weeks, it's almost like a miracle. Like, <laughs> what, what's that like when you're sitting there in the practice squad every week, knowing that that's kind of the way this organization runs it? Yeah, I mean, uh, it, was, it, was, it was tough. Um, and I'll be honest, it was tough. You know, my rookie year, I was on practice squad, like, for the first, what, four weeks, I think it was, and I got activated. You know, obviously, I was on the practice squad last year for, like, 12 weeks. Um, so to just be able to continually keep my head down, just keep grinding and keep grinding and keep finding it each and every week, um, you know, it's tough when your number's not getting called. Um, but uh, I was just blessed, you know, to be able to be in the building and still being able to work 
um, towards where I want to be at because obviously you know how many guys are on the streets without a job or you know just waiting for that call still um, and I wasn't in that position so that was that was great uh, but it was tough it was tough you know but it made me a better person you know it made me dig deeper um, you know I think it really fueled my offseason this year in terms of my work ethic and in terms of putting myself in a position to where I want to be going on to this year and making the team off rip so um, I, I learned a lot from that experience for sure. Is that something like when you do that and when you're going through it, like, is that almost more stressful than being on the 53? Because it's so like, you don't have a role. You don't have, you know what I'm saying? Like, is there a little bit of more stress to that? Because also the money's different, you know? Right. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say it's more stress. Um, but I mean, like you're just, you're just running on a different, like just level of sense of urgency. You know what I mean? Just doing everything that you can each and every week, you know, what's going to happen, you know, for the most part, it'll, it would really take an injury or something like that for you to get brought up or what, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, but I mean, you just keep grinding and keep on keeping your process the way that it is and just continue to get better every single day and, and be ready when you're, when your name is called. And, and I was last year. Um, you know, I was ready when my name was called. So that's just all, all you can really do in that position. What was that like when you finally got that call up in Detroit? And then, you know, you're playing a little bit of special teams, a little bit of linebacker. And then like, oh, yeah, by the way, we want, try, we want you to try this other thing that you didn't do since high school. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it, it was huge, obviously, getting the call. I mean, that was huge. Um, you know, I worked really hard to be able to, to, to get there and be able to be in a position to help a team, you know, late in those, in those last few games of the season. But, um, yeah, I mean, Playing fullback was definitely different. <laughs> just, there's no, there's no doubt about that. You know, I've been on the offense, offensive side of the ball in a while, so um, that was that was cool. Um, got a couple reps kind of in practice, and I think I got a couple reps in the game. You know, last year, and then obviously this year in training camp, taking a lot more reps and kind of seeing how they feel about me at the position and stuff like that. And, and now I'm, I'm starting at fullback full time right now, and. It's what it is, man. <laughs> Just doing everything I can to kind of help this team. When they say, hey, we want to make you a fullback full-time, what goes through your head? It's not like fullback's this, like, popular position in the league. Not every team has it. Like, from a career standpoint, like, what's what are you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I couldn't really tell you, to, to be honest. I think the only really answer I have to that is just I'm the type of person, like, I just control what I can control, and, and that's kind of what I'm doing, uh, making the most out of everything that I'm getting. So, What was that first day at fullback like? Um, I mean, I'm the type of person that that's just tries to stay positive and I really, like, do my best to just attack every single day and just attack the day, and that's kind of what I was doing. Um, but obviously you're playing physical as hell. You know, you're trying to smack people every single day. Um, but – I mean, I enjoy it. I love football. I love the game. I love the physicality of it. So I'm definitely made for it. <laughs> Adrian said something a couple of weeks ago that basically, like, he, he pulled you aside and said, like, you know, hit more people, basically. And, like, you know, like, what did he say to you exactly? Because he, he made it. He, just told, me, he like, just told me to just stop. He just told me, like, you know, don't overthink it. Don't think too much. Just go play and play fast. And you won't be wrong, you know. So I think that kind of just helped to kind of clear things up for me in terms of like, I think I was just thinking a bit too much, you know, in terms of my approach and all that kind of stuff. And it's just like, nah, just just go balls to the wall. And you know what I'm saying? If you if you make a mistake, you make a mistake, but I'm gonna make you right. And I think that was just kind of just him, you know, being a mentor and kind of just helping me out and guiding me. 
did you get the sense you weren't maybe doing that at that point? Or like, did you even know in the back of your head, ah, oh, yeah, I'm kind of maybe being a little tentative. Like I'm still learning this. Maybe, you- maybe not tentative is the word, but I think, you know, I was still learning, you know, I was still learning and I just maybe not wanting to make mistakes. Um, and because when you when you go to the other side of the ball, you completely switch positions, you know, you kind of got to dial it all the way back and start over again in terms of like how comfortable you are, all that kind of stuff. So I think just going through that process and just getting more reps and more reps and more reps is really just all I needed. And that, and that really helped. Did you what's it like, I guess, blocking for Adrian? Because, I mean, you literally grew up watching him. Like you said, you're a video game guy. I don't know if you're a Madden guy, but I'm guessing Bro, it's dope. <laughs> like it's truly it, it is though i mean i would i never would have thought in a million years that i'd be i'd be blocking for ap uh but it, it's dope and i think you know he helps me out a lot you know we're always in each other's ear and get each other pumped and you know passing knowledge and all that kind of stuff um but i mean he's a good dude and and it's absolutely sweet to be his teammate and and friend and to be able to you know go out there and battle with him being somebody that like truly was like a football idol for me growing up so it's just it's dope do you remember that when you met him? That these carry-ons talked about it. How like he had to like suppress like going and asking for an autograph. Like, what was that like? Yeah. <laughs> what was it like in the running back room that first day? Yeah, I mean, I, I still remember because you know he sits next to me in the meeting room. So I remember my first day, and when he came sitting down next to me, I remember like leaving the meeting room, being like, "I'm really sitting next to AP. Like, AP is really my teammate. Like, that's just crazy. Like, yeah." <laughs> like obviously it's a, it's a big age difference and it's just like it's just nuts like I'm really here that's kind of it, it just keeps giving you those same like vibes of, like you are where you are like you really are in the NFL like you're doing this thing did you when, you, when he's sitting next to you like did you know that he was going to be sitting next to you or is he like sit down and you're just like oh yeah more like that <laughs> like I Cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's it, I was gonna say? What was it like? The rest of y'all in the running back room are, are young, like you know, like early to mid twenties. Right. Yeah, we're all yeah, we're all younger. Did you have to like suppress kind of that? Like, like we talked about Marshawn before in Oakland. Like, do you have to almost suppress <laughs> that again? Of just like, I've been in the league a couple years. But like this dude, <laughs> <laughs> this dude's gonna be wearing a gold jacket five years right. after he's done. I mean, I think it's I think it's different because like at this point I'm on the offensive side of the ball, so you know, knowing he's he's on my side, you know, at the end of the day. So, uh, but no, nah, I mean, it was just it's, it was definitely dope, you know, without a doubt, it was dope, humbling. What's it What's it like been for you the last season and a half? Because the Lions haven't been winning. Like, how do you deal with that as a player when it's just not, I not going well completely like the end of last season, or it's you win a couple games, you lose a couple games. Like it's that back right. and forth. Like, is that no, nah, man, it's it's tough. There's no doubt about it. It's it's um it's tough. But you try to stay up. You try to you know, obviously keep guys' uh, attitudes positive and kind of make sure that everybody's pulling the rope in the same direction at all times. And that's really all you can do and control what you can control. You know, make sure that you individually are working as hard as you possibly can to you know make the team better and just you know, just gotta keep moving. Just gotta keep moving. <laughs> You have a bad play, all right, forget about it. Next, go on to the next play and, and try to have the best play you can have right now. Uh, I think that's kind of a mindset. Got a couple last things for you. First, uh, what's up with the whole cameo thing? You said what's the what? What's up with the whole cameo thing? You know what I'm talking about? Say it again? The cameo thing, like where you have Oh, to- you said cameo. Oh, what yeah. about it? 
<laughs> like what's up with that like what's that like for you to do that like that just seems like such an odd thing i mean honestly i think i think it's kind of cool um i mean you get you can get all kinds of like requests um just like birthday shout outs some people want a pet talk or whatever it is but like i mean you're getting paid so why wouldn't you want to do it you know like <laughs> what's what's the weirdest request you've gotten on there so far the weirdest request i've ever gotten I got a really weird request to basically like, I don't even remember completely, but it was like to shout out some like rival rap group or something like that. I don't, I don't really know. It was so <laughs> stupid though. I didn't do it, but. Oh, you didn't? Can you choose whether you do it or not? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, because like there's been some, like especially in the political realm where they're like, get somebody to read something, you know, and like it becomes a thing on Twitter. <laughs> Instagram. Uh, or I don't think I'll do that if I had one of those. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the best trash talker you've ever faced? The best trash talker I ever faced. <laughs> Just because I feel like it's rare for a quarterback to really talk that much shit, I'd probably say Philip Rivers. Because he, he definitely talks a lot of shit. <laughs> what did he uh, say? It's just, it's just interesting to see a quarterback really talk that much shit. What did he Did he ever say anything to you? Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say he said anything to me in terms of, like, uh, like talking shit. But, like, he definitely just uh, – I mean, it was my, it was my rookie year. Uh, we were playing the Chargers. And um, he basically just pointed me out, you know, before the snap and basically told Ken, like, run and go on my ass. Like, he knew I had him. He just, like, go. <laughs> Like Did basically, I, I knew like what was coming, and he was still like, "I'm still gonna do it." But I broke Did up. He happy? So good. <laughs> you say what? Did he end up having you on it? Oh no, I broke. I broke the pass up. <laughs> so I, I was like, "Yeah, yeah, what? I'm right here. I know I'm a rook, but I'm right here with it." <laughs> Did you say something to him? Like, did you kind of say that back to him, or? No, I didn't. I didn't get to uh, on that play, but. What's, is, what's the worst piece of trash talk you ever heard? I ask every player that comes on here this because it generally leads to some unbelievable answers. Like, what's where you're just like, are, did you really just say that? <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, I can't think of anything like that off the top of my head. Um, I got nothing for you. Really? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I got nothing for you, bro. I can't think of anything that made me be like, what? <laughs> Even back in college or high school, like no one ever like said anything. I mean, like I've heard, I've heard like some your mom type shit <laughs> on the field for sure. I really? think that's corny, but was yeah. that back in high school? No, nah, I was in college. <laughs> that's even worse. Yeah, like I know. In high <laughs> I know. High school was like all right, but college was like all right, chill out. I would say in high school, like would people even say stuff to you because I mean. You look at those numbers, and they were pretty yeah. dominant. Like, no. could, he, <laughs> could even someone say something to you or no? Ain't nobody was trying to tackle me in high school, man. <laughs> no cap. <laughs> so, what was it, so then what was it like the first time you really got tackled in the NFL this year? You said, the, you said the, this year? Yeah, because, I mean, this is the first time – or even last year when you were playing football. It was uh, against the Saints. What was that? What was that feeling like? It was my, it was my first catch. It was my first catch in the NFL. What was that like? I mean, it was cool. <laughs> I got. I mean, I got tackled this the the second I touched the ball. I mean, he was he was right on me as soon as I caught it. Um, so she had a little bit more yak opportunity, but 
It's going to come, though. <laughs> How do you – I mean, do you feel like you've really settled into fullback? Like, do you feel like, all right, this is where I feel like I should be now? Uh, um, I mean, I feel comfortable playing the position, no doubt about it. You know, I can do it. I'm not, like, in any kind of place where I'm ready to, like, narrow down what I, what I am as a football player or, you know, where I want to play or whatever. I'm just in a place where – now you know I can do that too, and if that's what you need, then all right, you know. But I'm not gonna like necessarily narrow myself or pin myself on either side of the ball. You know, I just know like I'm a good football player, and wherever you put me, I, I think I'll do well. So you would be comfortable going back to linebacker? Would you want to go back to linebacker if it presented? I'd be comfortable. I'd be comfortable. Cool. Without a doubt. <laughs> Did you miss it? Yeah, yeah, I miss playing defense. Defense is fun, man. Really? But, I mean, the game is fun, man. Football's fun. Offense is fun. Defense is fun. <laughs> Don't matter, bro. Cool. Hey, Jason, man, thanks for doing this. I pre- really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. No doubt, bro. I appreciate you. Absolutely. Hopefully you enjoyed the interview with Jason. Thanks again to him for coming on. You can follow Jason Cabinda on Twitter at Jason Cabinda. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike Rothstein. You can follow me on Instagram at Mike Rothstein. Follow me on Facebook at Michael Rothstein Journalist. Appreciate all of you listening. Hopefully you enjoyed the show and you come back again tomorrow or go back and listen to some episodes from the past. We'd really appreciate it. Don't forget to give us a five-star review or rating on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And with that, we will talk with you tomorrow.